Welcome to our Millennial Woman Chat on What's Next Mel. I'm your host Mel, a millennial woman trying to navigate her life from her 20s to her 30s. I'm excited to talk to other women about their journey to 30 and all in between. Hi, welcome back. If you've been tuning in to What's Next Mel, um, a very great conversation that I'm excited to have and something that also... um, relates to my life is mental health and i think mental health and millennial women as we transition from 20s to 30s i think it's super important that we talk about mental health and just how we want to build on that and build on like therapy and things like that so today i'm talking with ebony a communications director um we're just talking about our journey with mental health um going from our 20s to our 30s so ebony welcome thank you for having me Um, So I guess let's just jump right into it. So a little background for me, I started therapy when I was 18, um, on and off. Um, I think when I went to college, I was able to like use the mental health um, resources that they had at my college, um, on my university. And then once I left college, three months later, I moved to New York from Miami. And I found um, two, I think I did two therapists before I found the one that I have today, um, who I've been with for two years. It's definitely trial and error. And honestly, I've learned so much about myself and like really dig deep into my mental health as I'm 28, like 30s around the corner for me. And I just want to be the best I can be in my 30s. So, Ebony, if you want to just tell us a little bit about, like, your mental health journey and, like, if you've done therapy and, like, what it's looking like for you. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned your first um, introduction into therapy and mental health was by using a resource from college because that's exactly what I did as well. Um, When I was in college, close to graduation, I had a lot of things going on. Um, You know, the procrastination, the test anxiety, um, being a full-time employee but then also all of these things from um, my childhood and my upbringing coming up and affecting me in my early adulthood years. So I was probably about um, 21 or so when I first started using the resources on campus um, to see a therapist. Um, My first therapist was actually a Black woman, and that has been my preference since then. However, I did not prioritize therapy. I wouldn't say I didn't prioritize it. It's always been something that I knew needed to happen, but I didn't delve into therapy um, regularly until several years later. Um, And there was always an excuse whether I was, you know, switching jobs, switching coverages. It's hard to find a Black woman therapist that's in network. Oh, I really need a psychiatrist instead of a psychologist. All of these different types of things until I was just like, you know what, let's just rip the band-aid and let's just start. So Um, what um, really stands out to me is um, the fact that you mentioned you want to be the best that you can be from your 20s going into your 30s. And I can really appreciate hearing that because I personally am in my, my later 30s and I wasn't, I was reliant very much on myself to figure out which direction I needed to go. I didn't ask for any help. So it was just before I turned 30 when I decided that 
I was going to move to a big city and make a life for myself. I was, um, you know, born and raised in the Midwest, of course, moved around a lot when I was younger um, due to being in a military family, but have always been, you know, within just a couple hours driving distance of my family. And I felt like I was going through, you know, what they call like a quarter life crisis or something. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> so, with the move to um, Houston, a big city, coming from a smaller town and um, having to manage work and everything else that comes along with it. I relied on myself very heavily for several years until it came down to, you know what, you need to ask for help. (laughs) And so that's when I was able to get back into therapy. And thank you for that. And thank you for sharing. I definitely want to dive into something because this actually came up in like a chat room that I was in last night or the other night before. I don't really remember. But was as Black women, do we feel the need to have another, a Black woman or a Black male therapist? And for me, I've actually never had a Black um, woman or male therapist. I've always had... um, a white woman therapist, or I actually have had, had a Hispanic um, woman therapist. I'm half black and half Spanish, so the Hispanic woman therapist was fine. She was able to relate and understand the things from like my mom's side of like the Hispanic heritage. But when it came to obviously the African American side and with my dad and understanding things like that, it was very difficult and it was kind of. I don't want to say banish, but it was definitely not really brought up about and like not really like a concern, I guess, um, with my therapist. And funny enough, um, my therapist now, she's a white woman, has, is not, obviously she cannot relate to like, obviously things are going on like in the black community, but has been able to help me arise and understand the things that have happened in the black side of my family and then to the Hispanic side and understand like the traumas and things that stems from my parents like childhood and things like that into my childhood and, and where I'm trying to go to like you know in the future and when I have a family and raise kids so is it really that important to because we're black women to have a black woman or black male therapist um A couple of things here. Uh, I think that who you decide to be your therapist is, you know, as far as their race and ethnicity is extremely subjective. Um, I think that the most important number one on the list needs to be somebody that you, that is qualified to take care of and listen to the type of issues that you have. So if you think that their race or ethnicity is a qualifier um, based upon the things that you want to dig up and the past traumas that you want to address in therapy, it absolutely is important. It does not mean that um, a therapist of another race or ethnicity is not going to be able to relate to you because part of being a good provider is being able to listen to the things that your patient wants to talk about outside of um you know, just the scope of their race and ethnicity. You have to listen to what the actual root of the problem is. And um, most practitioners shouldn't have that type of unconscious bias simply because they're mental health professionals. Not saying that they don't. 
It's just you want, you think that you can automatically remove an unconscious bias by going with someone who looks like you and might understand you a little bit better based upon the experiences that they've had in life. When, as it turns out, it really just depends on how qualified they are as um, a mental health professional period, whether it's they're a good listener, they can hear everything that you say and relate it to a mental health issue without having to bring in the race and politics or, of it or anything like that. So it really just depends on experience. Um, uh, a good example of that is the fact that I had been seeing the same therapist for the past year and I was really proud of myself because I found a Black woman therapist that I felt comfortable talking to, um, going into her office on um, a bi-weekly basis and, you know, just dredging up in there, feeling terrible in the midst of my depression. She was able to make me feel better then. But as soon as we started um, working from home and being completely locked down due to the pandemic, I started telehealth visits with her. And the more I visited with her, the more I realized that it felt like I was just talking to one of my girlfriends. We don't have um, a treatment plan for me. <laughs> and that was something that was really important to me. Like, why am I paying this copay every other week to talk to someone the same way I talk to one of my girlfriends? And right. that's to her experience, you know, we were around the same age around the same types of accomplishments in life and everything. And it was just having somebody to talk to. Well, I have people to talk to. I really need to be in therapy so we can work on a treatment plan that is equipped with coping mechanisms and healing past traumas, et cetera. And after almost a year seeing her, I did not see that type of progress. So I'm back to square one trying to find another practitioner um, that I can be comfortable opening up with and actually make some, some headway. Right. And I definitely, you know, that's something too that we talked about in the chat room was that just, uh, you know, it's definitely a trial and error with finding therapists because, you know, it's, yes, it's about like you um, being comfortable with them, but it's also like they need to connect with you as well and you need to feel comfortable with them and I think that sometimes that line gets blurred a little bit, um, whereas sometimes I think, you know, even too, like, when I think I did, um, did do, like, the therapy, like, um, on my university campus, I felt like I really wasn't making headway because it's like, yeah, obviously school and everything like that was definitely an issue. Like, obviously, like, I'm going through college. I also had a job, et cetera, et cetera. But I really wanted to work on the inner childhood traumas that I had. And I just felt like, you know, like, they didn't want to dive that deep. Maybe because, again, like, I don't want to say because they're at a university level. I, I don't know how to really explain it, but it's like, it was kind of frustrating on my end because just like, I'm trying to really dig deep. And it's like, I felt like that would have been a great starting point for me to dig into those inner traumas instead of me dealing with it at 26 to through now, like 28, where it's like, it became a bigger thing because during my beginning of my 20s to 26, like I went through mad shit. And it's like, if I had talked about it earlier, I would have been able to like, understand how to go through those things I went through from 20 through 26. Well, um, I think that you're being a little bit too optimistic there. 
<laughs> as somebody that um, has been through her 20s before and bumped my head several times, um, I think that the way that it sounds coming from you is that you want to address mental health issues um, and kind of cut different types of life experiences, negative life experiences off at the head so you don't have to go through them based upon your past traumas. And um, that sounds good, but that is um, a little bit overzealous and <laughs> optimistic um, because no matter what traumas you've been through in the past and you've healed through, that only works on you, right? right. It work with anybody else that you're going to encounter over this next decade or so that might end up being your friend, your life partner, your family member, anything like that. So you can 100% heal yourself and still end up going through mad shit right, right. that you encounter and still have the same problems that it seems like you're trying to avoid, you know? Yeah. So, um, one saying that I always rested upon was that your 20s are there for you to fuck up and your 30s are there for you to get it right. So learn from all of the mistakes that you made in your 20s and you can't beat yourself up for not being as mature or emotionally or mentally evolved as you think that you should be at this point in life. Yes, be spiritual. Yes, be aware. Yes, you know, work on your mental health, but don't think that you're going to be perfect because you healed all of this stuff in the past and, you know, you've head off, you know, all of these things that could have possibly happened to you. I used to be that way. <laughs> even, before, even before therapy, I was just like, you know, I was forced to grow up fast. I've seen a lot. I expected people like my younger sister to learn from my past mistakes and experiences. And it is not that. It is one thing to be happy and rest on the fact that you can sleep well at night knowing that you deal with, dealt with your own shit, but there's still, a, you know, seven billion people out in the world that have not approached their own shit no, that's a <laughs> that's a fact that's a fact because i've definitely run into some of them um uh, i think for me too it was really like i just felt like i would have been able to so for me someone especially when i was younger and i mean i'm an only child um i think you know I definitely, and still to this day, my parents spoil me and I definitely, you know, played a part in how, like, I build relationships with, uh, with friends, but more, like, with um, significant others, and um, I think it just, it would have helped if I did therapy, I would have been able to put, like, take a step back instead of being, like, okay, like, just because they're not giving me attention doesn't mean that they don't want me or like this is over. It's like, you know, they're doing different things, whatever, whatever. I can't just relate to that because, or not relate to that. I can't assume that they're gonna give me all of their attention because that's what my parents did. And I think, you know, (laughs) I think, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of went into like my relationships, all of my relationships with significant others. and you know, like the male, like they, he knew that they, like a lot of them knew that from the beginning, like I'm an only child. I'm very spoiled. Like I like attention. That's it. And I think like now I'm learning like, Hey, you can't get all the attention. Like this man has a job. 
uh you know like their parents their siblings whatever and they got like friends and stuff going on you need to take a step back before you like flip out because they didn't text you or call you or whatever the case may be so i just think i think i what i want to say is like i wish i learned more of the tools and mechanism that i'm learning now a little bit younger because i would have been able to really like um what's the word I would have been able to really like, you know, test it out, learn how to use those tools, like what's the best way and like how to really like, you know, navigate them through different relationships. Or you'd have, you would have just wasted more time with the wrong person. I mean, that's true too. That's very, <laughs> very true. Because um, I, I have this thing, I have the same issues you and no, I'm not an only child, but as it relates to significant others, you need to come and get me, period, because I, I work, I'm a sister, I'm a godmother, I'm an auntie, I, you know, have a very demanding job, but when it comes down to it, when I want to talk to you, when it's time to make time for you, I'm going to do that. And you are giving that other person on the other side way too much if you think that they don't have the capacity to do the same. Right. And so, I yeah, as far as your reactions, no, don't flip out on them. But one thing I do is every time I feel like, oh, I want his attention. Oh, I, he needs to be calling me, blah, blah. It's like you're not giving yourself something. So that to me is a healthy coping mechanism. But at the same time, I know what the boundary is. Like you can go two days without talking to me because you're busy, cool. You go two weeks, you can keep going the rest of your life because I'm not trying to be in something that's completely sporadic. That means you're not ready for the level of companionship that I'm ready for. And you have to be able to discern between that and just a guy that's just a regular fuck boy. What, that you just spoke all facts. Like I completely agree with you on that. And I think, you know, so like, that's a great thing to bring us into is like our mental health, like going to therapy and working like on our mental health and like, you know, trying to better ourselves, but then also being, while being in a relationship. Cause like for me, and I tell my therapist this all the time, the whole, and the whole point I'm going to therapy is definitely for myself, 100%. Like I want to be a better version of myself, but it's also because I want to be able to bring this better version into my future relationships, into my marriage, when I have kids, my parenting skills, et cetera, et cetera. So what is, I guess, the best way to still focus on yourself, but also focus if you're in a relationship or like getting ready to like dive into like dating and things like that? Um, it's definitely boundaries. Like I said before, um, you, you have your boundaries, you have your personal time, he has his personal time, you have to figure out how much of it, how much you can take. So like I said before, go two days without talking to me. We can blame it on being busy, cool. You know, I had yoga, I had therapy. I had to take care of one of my nieces and nephews. I had, you know, take the dog to the vet, whatever. You know, you can go one or two days. It doesn't have to be an everyday type of thing, especially, um, I especially had to coach myself through that. Um, 
because you get attached to people so quickly and easily. Um, when you have so much in common, you want to just naturally just move really fast. And you have to understand that you are easing yourself into their life. It might not be as easy for them to add you into their life as it is for you to add them into yours. However, you have to figure out what the boundary is. So I'm not going to be the one that's going to teach you how to communicate, teach you how to treat me, treat, teach you how to date or anything like that. You can go two days without talking to me because you're busy, cool. But a text message ain't never heard nobody. <laughs> I know? agree. So it's you. like, you know, if you are bad at communicating via phone, we're not going to work. If you want to go several weeks without talking to me, we're not going to work. That to me is a clear indication that you are dating several people. And to me, it's like, I am open to conversations with many people, but not physically dating multiple mm-hmm. people. I, I'm, I'm too old for that. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I definitely think boundaries are super important, especially when you are very focused on your mental health, like yourself, because it's unfair for me to be making and placing these boundaries on like, you know, relationships with friends, relationships with family, and I don't do the same with my significant other, mm-hmm. because it's like, that's progress that I'm now, like, bringing 10 steps back, because mm-hmm. of, I, you know, like, I like you, like, I want to be with you, I want this to be a relationship, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm making all these excuses, it's yes, like, exactly. you're not, you're really not, I don't want to say you're not better, but you're really not, like, that self-love is not being pushed in the forefront. It's, it's selective, right? How are you going to love yourself, but only 75% of the way? Right. Like, you have to love yourself enough to know that, you know, he can go, you know? Um, I spent, I spent the last 10 months or so with dating this guy who I was completely infatuated with and he's like completely infatuated with me and in the beginning you know the honeymoon phase you're talking you know regularly and all of that and that dwindled down really quickly um I know that has a lot to do with the fact that we didn't get intimate for several months and then um when we did start to become intimate with each other you know, the communication was still sporadic. And I was just like, I gave him chance after chance after chance. And then once we started getting better at it, he tells me that the night before he was with some other woman. And I'm sorry, a month ago, you told me that you didn't want to be with anybody but me, but then here we are. And you were just come over yesterday. Turns out that you decided to give that time to some other woman. Like, what's the point in you dating other people if you're getting everything that you need over here? You know. And so I had to take me out of it and understand who I was dealing with. And like, I've let him get away with a lot of stuff over the past few months, and that's my fault. I let him step over my boundaries little by little, to the point where. I am no longer respected as an equal in the situation. And you think that you can just be like, well, I was in another girl's house last night and I'm single. And I'm like, all right, well, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I think, you know, that is definitely something too. It's like, it's communication of, I think, you know, something I'm starting to learn is like, I need to communicate my boundaries 
from the beginning of, mm-hmm. you know, dating or whatever the case may be, because I kind of was like in the same, a little bit similar situation of like, I agreed with this person, like, we're just like hooking up, we're hanging out, whatever the case may be. And as you know, we get months into it, it's like, okay, no, I'm feel like I want a little bit something more. I want to see where your head is at. And mm-hmm. I'm asking you, and it's like, not that you're shitting on me, but you're like, hey, we said what we said from the beginning. And it's like, I mentally knew that's not what I wanted. And I should have stated that from the beginning instead of me thinking like, oh, I could change their minds like when we're hanging out and like whatever the case may be. And it's like, no, I need to set my boundaries. Be like, hey, like, I want this. If you're not open to that, then that's cool. Then we don't need to see each other, period. Mm-hmm. so I definitely think you know like as we're talking about boundaries um what are like I don't want to say what is uh, yeah like what are some of the boundaries that you feel like you have to set to really like have relationships thrive whether it's like family friends um dating like what are the boundaries that are needed for like you to still be secure and like your self-love is still like pouring out of you so i think that it's really important for me to always put me and my mental and emotional health first um one very important part of that is with um family like i said before um i had to move you know pretty far away from my family to make a life of my own because they always leaned on me for something and it was starting to become a little bit much for me. And so um, over the years, I've been able to separate from them to have my own life and be able to do things like say, no, I'm not coming to this holiday. No, Mm -hmm. I'm not no I'm not doing that because the older you get the more you realize I only have 40 hours of vacation a year why do I want to go and spend that in a flyover state right I agree I agree and I can really um relate to you because um my reason for moving from Miami to New York was really like my family doesn't have boundaries like and it wasn't about like them using me it was more so like just jumping into my business or like again like you said like holidays and things like that where it's like I just want to be by myself I want to like do what I want to do and etc etc and you know once I moved to New York it's like oh my god like when are you coming home like you need to like move back home da, da, da. and it's like for what like you're not giving me a real reason why I need to move back home because one I'm making more money in New York that's number one number two I'm happy in New York like it's like why is my happiness not important to you exactly and number three like when it's like also two like just like you said like um like flying over like it's only like two hours and 30 minutes for me to fly back and forth but why am I going to use that when I only have like you said like I only have a certain amount of hours for PTO I'm going out of the country like I'm so like I'm so like I'm sorry and I think you know it's not fair that certain, I think, you know, what I've also too been learning in therapy is that like, you know, our parents have a different understanding because obviously how they grew up and things like that. But it's also like, for me, it's like, 
you also need to be open to what's going like how life is now in 2020 i completely am not you know disrespecting what you had to go through when you were younger and et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, you have to understand we're in a whole different time now and life is different and you have to respect my boundaries that I've placed. Like maybe if our parents put themselves first, like we're doing, maybe we wouldn't even exist. Maybe if our parents put themselves first, like we're doing, maybe their lives, they wouldn't be miserable right now or wouldn't right. have through so many years of misery um another family boundary that I have to set is I have a sister who has a massive drinking problem and um she's four years younger than me and she resents the hell out of me I left home when I was very young and um so in those formative years when she thought that I was supposed to be there to protect her I wasn't there and then when I'm out experiencing the world and I'm trying to let her know what my experience has been out in the world, um, you know, I had to learn, like I said, at an early age that she's not going to learn from my mistakes, but all the stuff that she's been through, I've been through in tenfold. And so with her drinking problem getting worse and worse over the years, her resentment towards me comes out more often. And so it, went from when I was in my, you know, early twenties and whatnot, her just drinking too much and embarrassing me in front of my friends to, you know, just this last August, her trying to fight me at a family function. And so I told myself the last time we got into it, which was April of 2020, I said, if she does this again, that's it for us. And I mean, she did, it's a lot of verbal abuse and now it's physical abuse. And um, I'm not saying that I can't handle this little girl or fight her back or whatever. I don't want that type of drama in my right. life. Like, I didn't choose you. You are here because, of, because you're my family. And right. my family understands that I'm not dealing with her. Now I don't give a shit that she is my sister. Everybody's just like, oh, you and your sister need to make up, blah, blah. You don't, you don't know I've been going through this for almost 30 years of her lashing out at me for no good damn reason, right. her own shit. So you go over there and you handle your shit. I'm, I'm good over here, I'm gonna handle mine, but I'm not going to put myself in a situation ever again where I have to deal with her and her shit. Right. I don't have to, I I'm grown. I can pick and choose where I wanna be. That's and like, for Thanksgiving, I'm not going to be there. And I told everybody and, um, you know, my, my mom told my sister, my sister's like, well, I just, I'm not going to start any drama. I think we should all be together. We're family. No, that's her not wanting to acknowledge that the reason why the family can't be together is because she has a problem. Right. And that's deep. And that's, and we, I thank you so much for sharing because I, you know, I think sometimes some family, cause I've, kind of been in a situation like that a little bit when I was younger is that like me and my cousin kind of got into it very so I'm for me like I'm very I'm very high maintenance like I love my designer stuff I love like getting my hair my nails done etc etc whatever the case may be and we got into it when I was younger maybe like college years whatever the case may be um and that's something too like honest like my family especially like my cousins I don't I, 
a little bit, I kind of dropped off the planet when I was 16, my grandmother passed away. And it was like, that was really the last time I really saw all of my cousins like in one place. And from there, it's just like, I had always went to like a different school for my cousins. Like I went to Catholic school and Mm -hmm. then I went to college. And then after that, I moved to New York. So my cousins haven't seen me until this past February when my aunt passed away. And so that's been about like 12, not eat, like, yeah, about 12 years. And, you know, they get, it's still like no understanding of why ghosted and it's kind of like, oh, like, well, why don't you come home? Or like, wow, we haven't seen you so long. Like, yes, and you won't see me again until the next, you know, funeral, most likely, because you guys don't respect boundaries and you're not acknowledging the things that you have done or said to me in the past. And I'm not going to, it's for me, it's like, I'm not going to forget that. And I'm not going to allow you to think that it's okay to talk to me in any certain type of way, whether you're older or not. And, you know, especially like at my aunt's funeral, it was like, oh, like, you know, I know we had issues, but I love you. But it's like, no, you're only saying that because we're in this situation right now. Yeah, exactly. Because if my aunt didn't pass away, we still would be at the point of not talking. Like I changed my, like, I'm gonna be honest. I changed my number like five times. So it's very, like my family, like really does not have my number. Like my grandfather the other day asked me like, oh, like reach out to your cousin. I was like, I don't have the number and they don't have mine. Like it, it's, it's, and even at the funeral and things like that, it's just like, what do we really have to talk about? Because at the end of the day, while you guys are driving back to Miami, I'm flying back out to New York. Like, we're still always going to go our separate ways. Um, Losing a family member always um, has the effect of bringing people closer together, right? Mm -hmm. um, For instance, we lost um, my older brother in 2016. My My sister personally went through her own shit but between 2016 and now like our relationship really improved a lot so we might have had like a little bit of bickering here and there but nothing nothing really big until like April of this year and then I was just like here she go with that same shit again and I don't have to take this you know but after the April argument um, she actually acknowledged for the first time that she did something wrong and I was right and apologized so I forgave her and then here we go with the August argument, alcohol-induced, of course, and she's not recognizing anything. And I said, I do not have to take this. And, you know, losing people in funerals always bring you, you know, closer together, always always brings a sense of mortality to these people who know that they've done you wrong and would feel so bad if they lost you. But right. gone. So that's on them if they don't do what it takes to repair the relationship. Um, relationships are not irreparable at all, but you they have to be open enough to recognize that they did something um, to you that was not right. right. Recognize that and then start at the, that point from healing, then they can't reach you on the level that you're on. Right. And that's something I want to bring into because like, that's something definitely in the past couple of therapy sessions that I've um, been in with my therapist is acknowledging my faults in different relationships 
um and you know forgiving myself and then whether forgiving that person or you know just again just acknowledging it and i think you know i've come to that point especially as i'm getting ready to go in my 30s like okay you know what like when i was younger this is not the third with this person i fucked up like even though i was blaming them for everything no actually i did take some part in that i think for me now it's like any uh relationship friendship family significant others like i want us to both acknowledge where we fucked up and either we're going to move forward in a positive new life fresh start or we're going to just move on like forgive and then just go our separate ways because it's just i'm getting too old where it's like we're not going to keep repeating this pattern Mm -hmm. exactly because i'm not going to like i think some people want to be on that ride that roller coaster ride just going over and over again the ups and the downs but it's like no i'm getting off because the growth that i feel and the self-love that i have for myself has become way bigger than what it was when maybe we started this friendship, whatever the case may be. And it's like, I want to get off and I am getting off. Yeah. And the toxic ass people that have caused all that drama in your life, see that you're getting, see you getting off the ride and they hate that shit more than anything. Oh my God. Absolutely. You know, that's something too, like I want to bring up is that why is it that people especially friends because I've had this issue more with friends as you're going through your mental health you're going through therapy you're going through your process of changing and evolving why is it that you can't love me from the person who I was that like trauma inflicted person to now this more self-loving and self-caring person why is it that you can't love me I'm still the same person I've just I've grown Well, some people can't accept who they are in your life unless you are who you've always, who they've always needed you to be. So I realized that very recently with the rift going on between a couple of my girlfriends and they've been friends for many, many years. And one is saying that, you know, they're on ice, they're taking a break. And another one was saying that I don't want to be friends with this person anymore and I'm just like it has a lot to do with the fact that you are moving this direction in your life and you've always been that person who needed this other person for something and now that you don't need her or you're not necessarily socially beneath her or relationship wise beneath her she's not ahead of you in these different things or whatever like she can't accept you being her equal or greater at this time she always needs you to be this little person that she needs to help all the time and that um it goes it goes without saying with all these other relationships it's the same thing if you were moving on in your healing you have these different relationships that you've had whether they are trauma bonds whether they're true friendships whether they are you know intimate relationships or anything when you move forward that person doesn't know how to fit in your life anymore that happened with my longest relationship. You know, I was in college collecting degrees and all kind of stuff and thinking about my future and my career and traveling the world. And he's like, well, I've already done that. Well, what about me? <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, well, he can't see where he fits in my future. And I don't have time to sit here and coach you through it because I'm moving. <laughs> you know, I'm right. on path. And you want to be stuck here 
and stay here. Well, I have bigger dreams. <laughs> right. No, and I really attest to that because that's like happened in some of my like friendships where it's like we had to, you know, end it and some of them ended not as amicable as I wanted them to. But it's like, I've grown. I feel like so much better. I don't want to deal with like drama. I don't want to, you know, from the snap of my fingers, go from zero to a hundred anymore, like over like the smallest things. Like, I just don't want to be that person anymore. I'm still the genuine, sarcastic, funny now, but it's just, I'm a little bit more, let me take a step back before I react to that and just like explode. And it's like, you're upset that I'm like, taking a minute to like assess the situation that doesn't make any sense to me and it's like okay well then this clearly this friendship is not going to progress like I wanted to um because as I'm getting older I'm that's how my mentality is I'm more taking a step back before I react and you know I just never for me it just never made sense to me why someone would be upset about that and for me, I always want my friends and family and whoever else in my life to grow and glow. Like, I love mm-hmm. that shit. Like, I'm a Pisces. Like, I put my life a lot, um, but like, I put my life bef- um, after the people in my life. Like, I put you before me because I, like, really care. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy to me that some people just really don't support the process of mental health and the growth. Well, I hope in your mental health process that you unlearn that because as they say on an airplane, you always have to be able to put your own mask on first. Nobody in this world matters more than me. No, absolutely. I don't put anyone else above my needs anymore. I don't think I ever have. And I've just, you know, flat out just kind of been a selfish person my whole life. Um, I don't care. I don't think that being selfish is a bad thing or has a negative connotation. I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get to that point where I am putting that boundaries of no, um, because that definitely was very hard for me when I was younger. And it's crazy because even as being the only child, I am selfish, but it's like when it came to like my friends and like, if they needed me as a drop of my, like a drop of their hat, like needed money, whatever, like you need me to come drive and pick you up at 2 a.m. Like I was going to do it. And like, I'm just a loyal bitch, period. So, but now as I gotten older, I'm learning like, all right, you got to set some boundaries. Like, no, like this 2 a.m., like picking you up from like somebody's house. Like, I can't do that. Like, you need to take an Uber. Like, because it's yeah, just like, I mean, who's, who's doing that for you? It exactly. sounds like the and help of the savior and you are unlearning helping everyone else so you can help yourself. Right. And I've gotten to that point too, because it's like, I've been in those situations where like, wow, like I really like put my life on the line for you. And like, here I am in a predicament and you can't even help me. Mm-hmm. Hold on one second. Um, yeah, so I definitely agree with you. I definitely think boundaries and really acknowledging um, those things are super important to our mental health, especially as women and millennial women as we're gaining and you know growing and getting into our older um years of like into our 30s um so any like last minute things you want to say about mental health and millennial women um i am very happy 
at this point in life to hear so many young women and men acknowledging mental health um, being something that needs to be addressed. I think that the millennial generation um, on down really started that and um, have been teaching our parents and everyone else how important that really is and instilling it in our kids and our nieces and nephews and our friends and just literally everyone else. That makes me really happy because there was a point in time and there's still a point in time where mental health um, is just taboo, especially in um, the Black family. I just a few months ago had a, a cousin tell me that I needed to smoke weed instead of take Lexapro. And I'm just like, girl, you don't know. No. <laughs> So um, that makes me really happy to have these conversations with you for sure. Um, I can't wait till we open up the form again because we've talked, you know, relationships with love and family and friends and we definitely need a whole nother hour so we can get into mental health and dealing with work. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my, I, I could definitely go for an hour about mental health and working in like white corporate America because that's, yeah. it's a lot. That's definitely what I would like to leave you in the audience with is that, you know, prioritize yourself first, put your own mask on first. Um, if it's something mental health related, go ahead and, and delve into it. It might not, it might be nothing, but if it's something, find out and find out as early as you possibly can. Yes, I completely agree with you 100%. Well, thank you, Ebony, so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Like, I love the girl chat, especially about mental health, because it definitely hits home for me. And I know it hits home for definitely probably a lot of people in the audience. Um, so again, thank you so much. If you want to provide any of like your social media platforms, you can do so. Um, well, I know that you met me on my business social media for work, but my real social media um, where I, I, you actually get to know the real me and not the censored me is... <laughs> Leatherette on Twitter. Um, that's L-E-A-T-H-E-R-E-T-T-E -E -E on Twitter and the same on Instagram. Um, reach out. I would love to hear from you. Profiles are public. Yes, thank you. I definitely will connect with you on Instagram. So again, guys, we talked about mental health um, for millennial women. It was such a great conversation. And I'm definitely excited to bring Ebony back because we definitely need to talk about mental health and in the work space. Mm -hmm. I um, can't wait.